Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to which we can say, Amen. I like it when messages are based on Holy Scripture, but today I am in a bit of a quandary, as the text that was assigned is a highly profitable reading, but not actually Holy Scripture, although I know some Lutherans regard it as so. So I come to you with the Word, but the Word based on a derivative source, Luther's small catechism. Now, I could have pulled a homiletical fast one here and included the text, but I couldn't think of one that would work, so that was fine. If I had taken the text that is most obvious, the text of the Words of Institution, I would have taken the next week's sermon out from under the next guy, and that would not have worked very well for him. So we're going to stick with the text as it is, bringing in some Scripture and talking in a tone of understanding some things historically. And there'll be some law and gospel, but I don't know if it's actually a sermon. Luther states... What is the sacrament of the altar? It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. Now, of course, Luther has more things to say on this later. But as I said, we're going to stick to this text. Now, first, as I was looking at this, I was struck by the word true. I think sometimes we get hung up on the word real. We're always talking about real presence. But I think Luther gets it right. We know that this is Christ's true body and blood, but all our debates about the reality of the presence and the way in which the presence comes to us and all these other things really are the kind of speculation that Luther was annoyed with, disgusted with, and wanted to avoid. He wanted us to know what Christ said to us. We receive his true body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. We truly receive it, and it is his body and blood. He leaves behind all those Aristotelian categories the scholastics brought up and instead satisfies us with the truth of God's word, giving us true gospel. And to those of us who would like to inquire into the exact niceties of the reality of Christ's presence, he steers clear of this. He steers clear of all that kind of theology of glory talk that would go beyond what we have, which is Christ's true body and blood. Of course, there is great comfort for us in this truth. And so we are moved to say amen. Amen. This is most certainly true. And then second, I was struck by the terms body and blood. Now, it's easy to say we receive Christ in the sacrament. Swingley would even say we receive Christ spiritually in the sacrament. Or he would say that there was a mystery. We received it as the Eastern Orthodox receive it in a mysterion. Of course, that's like saying We receive nothing in a something kind of way. It's a bit self-contradictory. So I won't tell you what kind of something it is, but we receive nothing, somethingly. Well, that's so much for Swingley. The issue here is that Swingley and Anabaptists and others who held these non-body, non-blood views are dismissed by Luther 
with these two words, body and blood. They're annoying words. They're sacrificial words. They're cross words. They're inconvenient, especially for people like Swingley who are so easily disgusted and annoyed by them. And then Luther also takes on those people of the Middle Ages who would make things too Gnostic. He takes on those folks for whom mortal flesh is just a bit grubby. It's not good enough for heaven. And there was a lot of that in the Middle Ages. Luther gets earthy. He says, we receive what the words of institution tell us. We receive body. We receive blood. We too are challenged to accept the words of Christ as true and not to go beyond them. But if we accept the body and blood presence in the sacrament, what a strength that makes for our fellowship with Christ. What grace is present here for the forgiveness of sins and for our reconciliation with our Savior. Third, Luther does not leave out the bread and wine. The body and blood are received under the bread and wine. Here we are not allowed the easy way out of saying that logically there can only be one substance in one place, and therefore bread and wine are no longer present. Luther presses past Augustine on this, and he does not take up Swingley's chant, taken from Augustine, that the finite is not capable of the infinite. Luther's always making the finite capable of the infinite because God is able to shrink himself and squeeze himself down to be in a baby, in a cross, on a cross, dying for us. Not part of God, not a little bit of God, but God. Luther knows the idolatry that comes from worshiping the creature rather than the creator as well. He wants us to know that Jesus took bread and he took wine in a cup, but that because it is both body and blood that are present with the bread and the wine, Christ indeed can dwell with in and among us. This gets rid of those class separations of the Middle Ages where monks were so holy that they could not be bodily and so had to fast themselves to death. It gets rid of the idea that being married and faithful is any less holy than being single and chaste. All these distinctions are removed. And Luther insists that the bread and the wine are there with the body and the blood. The bread and wine do not disappear. Rather, when we receive the bread and wine, we receive all the gifts of the gracious Christ who through the giving of his body and the shedding of his blood on the cross comes to us to forgive our sins and give us eternal life. On the other hand, those who receive the body and blood who are not part of the Christian faith do not receive the grace and mercy of Christ, and so it is necessary that we examine ourselves so as to receive Christ in faith.
Fourth, the terms us and our stand out. This is where our systematics department would say the horizontal relationship is maintained. Because they indicate not only who should receive the sacrament, but what it means to the whole world that it is received. It is our Lord Jesus Christ who gives his body and blood. It is for us Christians to eat and drink. Here Luther tells us that it is for the church that the meal is prepared and not some external church in name only, but the brothers and sisters in Christ who believe. Yes, we remain sinners. Those who do not believe this, that they are sinners, are in trouble. But here there is strength for all the new Adams and new Eves in the congregation. For it is this, true, this church of true believers who are both sinners and saints at the same time who confess a true faith that this meal is prepared. So by this meal we declare who we are to the community and to the whole world. Here we cannot be rugged individualists with unresolved hatreds and personal egos. Here we find Christ and him crucified. Here it is we, the us, the tight-knit group. As it is, was with the intimacy of the disciples, so it is together as brothers and sisters today. Here is the horizontal relationship to the neighbor, to the brother and sister in the church. And here there is Christian witness to what and where the body of Christ, united around body and blood of Christ, truly is. Finally, the question arises, how do we get such great benefits? Are we like so many Simon Meguses trying to buy our way into the kingdom? If I give you a little gold, can I do magic tricks? Do we spend our time adoring the host, as some do? I still hear stories about Roman Catholics as late as the 1960s who used to drive to as many masses as possible in order to observe the adoration of the host and its elevation, because that was the moment you got time off purgatory. So you could get a lot of years off if you went from church to church and scheduled it right. That's not good. And yet we can have our own forms of idolatry, our own forms of idolatry about the externals. No, Luther here becomes a person who is down to earth again. He breaks up that medieval dichotomy of heaven and earth. It's simple. Eat it and drink it, believing what the Word says about it, and it is all yours. Now, I feel a little bit today like a man marketing water in the desert and not providing a well, because today we are not going to receive the Supper of our Lord. But take heart. All who believe in Christ as Lord and Savior are covered by the cross, baptism, and the absolution of Christ Jesus we have just shared. So if you hunger and thirst for the sacrament, you may receive it soon enough. Take the words to heart on that occasion and joyfully eat and drink the true body and blood 
given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And know that you are forgiven through other means as well, all through the Christ who loves and has died for you. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.